The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Orlando Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high level MMA. And today, tonight, whenever you're listening to it, hopefully it's before the show, we'll be breaking down UFC Orlando. Uh, it goes down in Florida on Saturday on Fox, UFC on Fox 28, headlined by Josh Emmett and Jeremy Stevens. No, that is not a main card opener. Uh, like that kind of a matchup sh- should usually designed to be, but no, it's the main event. It is the main event. Um, but yeah, isn't that fight though? Shouldn't it be like that perfect like main card opener slot? Usually, I always say it's a lightweight fight, but both those guys are former lightweights. Might as well be an action fight, if you will. Either way, in the state of MMA, this is kind of what we have. With to play. What do you say? Why don't we go down by the bay? After we eat some hay? I don't know. I haven't seen Happy Gilmore in a while. But yeah, you get the bad joke that I was trying to do. Uh, and, and on this day, Friday, it was also announced in, in similar spirit, a pay-per-view headliner, I believe, in Rio. Um, no, not Machida and Belfort, which was added to the card. I imagine that'll be a co-main event slot at this point, but appears the main event will, of course, be with a belt attached, as per usual. Amanda Nunes, not Chris Cyborg, like originally thought until the UFC 222 kerfluffle, but uh, Amanda Nunes versus Raquel Pennington, so <sighs> strap in, buckle up, and don't blink. I'm running out of things to say. Yeah, anyways, uh, don't worry, we're going to get to it. I know, it's it's these these shows start earlier, and this is, as me, per usual, being late. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll spare you the, the excuses, uh, because I actually, Dan Tom actually could have gotten to this maybe last night or this morning, um, but I dare say, I know, I complain, I complain, you know, the, the whole no vacations and... No doing anything fun or no watching movies, which is all true, sadly, as there aren't exaggerations of the truth. Um, but I, I rewarded myself. I allowed myself to go on a, a, a little date, if you will. Uh, you know, just just out for some pizza uh, with some good company. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, and uh, don't, but, but uh, unfortunately, uh, don't, don't worry, I won't get too much into my personal life or anything. There's not much to get into, don't worry, but, uh, I'm sure I've, I've I've talked about my many health issues, just not you know not just getting better from the surgery, which I'll, I'll briefly touch on and we'll move forward to the breakdown here in a second. But um, you know the 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 gastrointestinal issues or whatever is going on with the 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 acid, more acidity, stomach acidity issues. I think whether it's a gallbladder, or hiatal hernia, um, 
now that I'm officially quote unquote clear from the surgery, although that's another story, uh, I can actually now be, be cleared to go back in and go get checked by another doctor. Yay, back to the doctors two months straight. Woohoo! But uh, you know, it's been pretty it's been pretty good lately though. Those stomach acidity issues. Now that could be because. I've been on just crazy kind of like, you know, at home diet because I couldn't go anywhere with the surgery. And like, I presume my body was probably focusing on healing the crazy wound at hand. But now that the wound is getting better, I notice sadly, those other symptoms are returning, hence fitting my theory of the body compensation of what it's focusing on. Anyways, of course, as timing goes, because if there's any two things you can say about Dan Thomas, timing is not his friend and no good deed goes unpunished. Um, about two bites into the pizza, just I get like, crazy. Not just stomach acidity, like normal, but like almost just like it's just sweats and just weird. Like yeah, it's just, I really, I've had it before, but uh, but anyways, it was it was just it was just a it, it was just a it was just a bad one. And I, you know, I'm trying to be a poker face, you know, typical dude, and didn't go didn't go very well. But uh, you know, uh, it passed or whatever it was, like they always do. But yeah, it, it just did not make a. Kind of tainted, tainted the night, and and, and just, just just very frustrating. Dan Tom, not so much that again. I'm not going to get in the date or anything, but that was more to bring up the point of Dan Tom's just not been able to really enjoy a meal uh, for this the, in 2018, really since 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 New Year's. That's the time since I've been sick, uh, where these issues started. And I'm probably just doing a journal of my death at this point. I'm just listing off symptoms, but hey, it's fine. It's the price you pay for getting a getting a free breakdown, but. uh this, but but yeah, I, yeah. It's just it's just if I've been slipping on Twitter or you know maybe saying more personal things than normal, I apologize. It's not the place or forum. And even though this is my show, and and, and you know it's it's kind of yeah, try to keep it apropos and somewhat comical and, and not distracting from the main things that focus. And yeah, you know it does have a place in that sense. Sure, I'm not trying to make that the focus or anything. Believe me. But I will say is that just summing everything up is that. It's just been frustrating for two months just being in every day some type of pain or discomfort. Um, some days more severe than others, obviously, with the surgeries and all that bullshit and tests. But uh, not being able to enjoy a meal, um, not being able to kick back and have a drink because alcohol and coffee are out of the equation, which coffee would come in handy because in this said time of pain and discomfort, I've been working the most I've ever worked because it may sound like Dan's, you know, uh, unorganized, and I don't blame you. You know, I, I don't. Or it may look like I don't have my shit together on a date because I, I can't even fucking eat a piece of pizza without looking like I'm in discomfort, and because my body just fucking hates me and works against me, whether it's concussion symptoms or otherwise. So you could look at it that way, sure, or you could look at it that you know, I published twenty thousand words before even having my staples out of surgery. And that's not including the analysis that's required to go into said words or doing radio five days a week and the other things that I do. So, laziness, probably not. It's just a matter, like many things in life, kids, perspective. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I don't know where I'm going with that. I apologize, but I miss food. I miss booze. And most importantly than any of that, I miss my dog because with this surgery and recovering from it, um, I, you know, it just makes you, again, you know, uh, it's a hernia surgery for those just tuning in. And just kind of a severe abdominal wall surgery and abdominal wall repair and inserting metal mesh. So I can't engage my core too much. So even just holding a leash for a dog, you know, becomes troubling. And it's not just any dog. It's a 60-pound pit bull boxer that has pound for pound, you know, rampage Jackson strength in his prime. Uh, so, I mean, 
uh, and I need jumps. He's got claws, and he's, he's good with me, but I'm bad. He, he's good people, I should say, but he's bad. He, I'm bad. I let him jump on me, and it's just better I not see him right now. And and unfortunately, uh, the poor guy has developed his own issues. So he's doing good now. But by the way, for those people who are asking the dog, the dog, dog's doing fine. He just he just misses me apparently, according to my mom. Mommy's staying with my mom, and I miss him most of all. So yeah, man, it's been a fucking rough two months. That's it. I'm going to stop fucking complaining because y'all don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And I wonder why, along with my late episodes, uh, why the analytics, listenership, uh, reviews and stuff don't grow. Actually, we did get a couple reviews, and so thank you uh, for that, by the way. For those of you who waited in, Kevin from the PDX, shout out for that. Ratings and review on iTunes. I'm not even going to bother plugging the rest. We're going to get two things. There, he stepped off the soapbox, people. Thank God, fucking Dan Tom, off the fucking soapbox. Get out of the breakdown, you dick. All right, all right, I'm listening. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. I hear you, give me a break, give me a break. But, you, you know, just trying to explain why I'm such a, pardon me, miserable cunt lately. All right, Austin, UFC Austin recap. We went 8-4 and four in picks, 1-1 one and one in parlay, pieces 0-1 in props. And 0-1 in straight plays. Uh, was wrong on Melender, man. And, of course, like most things, uh, you're wrong when, <laughs> when A, it's a, you know, the pick percentage, again, you know, n- uh, not bad, even though it's been some of my worst lately. Uh, not bad. Um, but, again, old Dan Tom, when it comes to the ones that count, I'll miss those. And not just miss those. It'll be one where one guy completely just drops, the bottom drops out. And another guy comes looking at his best. And, uh, yeah, um, not that I'm saying there was any reason to be super high on Alves. I just was defending that. I don't think the bottom dropped out yet. Sure enough, it drops out there. And despite me being high on Melinder when most people didn't know who Melinder was, um, I, again, overcorrected the steering wheel against the guy I liked because I thought it was a tough turnaround and uh, just thought it was going to be, you know, um, out-volumed and, of course, uh, Man, Melender, just all the pieces you kind of see him place together, going all the way back from his failed Bellator run before to his recent run in LFA uh, of success, and you just saw it all come together. So, um, you know, it was wrong, but, man, I couldn't praise. Uh, we had Curtis in the show this week. Couldn't couldn't praise him enough, man. Uh, can't wait to see him again. So uh, didn't, didn't mind being wrong in that sense at all. Um, and then we had the Vic Trinaldo was the, uh, won't go the distance. And of course it did. Um, yeah, that happens, I guess. Sure. I can always say that, but in Vic defense slash defense of that play, I guess, or whatever, uh, he dislocated his thumb and you could kind of see that, that that was the severe adjustment of the game plan. Um, because he got, he got off to a real good start. He got Trinaldo to work hard and started applying pressure, but you saw the pressure wean off, and, and I guess that was why. But still, um, yeah, it's a win for Vic, and uh, hard to see Masvidal take a loss, even though he doesn't lose much these days when you, when you really, really look at his record. But uh, just saying that because I'm a fan of Masvidal-Duba. Um And uh, Piota, P- uh, he looked, uh, he looked good, man. Uh, yeah, he continues to impress. Uh, and again, he was somebody I was high on before coming in and, uh, at least he didn't make me look dumb. Um, and I wrote my notes, Derek Lewis tripod. Cause again, I know I come out late, these things late and there's such a small window to listen. And I rant on about shit. I probably shouldn't rant on about like I just did at the beginning of the show. I apologize. 
forgive me. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> hey, you know what? And even sometimes I even wonder, you know, Dan, you're, you're clearly fucking burnt from this fucking UFC schedule. As, as I'm sure the listeners have, have picked up by now that you clearly fall apart toward the end of these runs. <laughs> you know, we're, we're like seven out of eight right now. I mean, I, I just came off an 11-1 run earlier. Um, but, uh, but you know what? When I stop and look at it, I'm actually given some some solid nuggets here. And here's one that I've been putting in my written breakdowns and following those for a couple years now. Or just listening to the show for over a year now that we've been around. Every time Derek Lewis fights, I talk about his tripod. Wow, I talk about his tripod. Get that drop. Get that drop, Danny. But uh, I talk about his tripod getup and the ski slope that he makes and how he slides guys off. And I thoroughly detail it. And... I feel like I do these things at nauseum at practice and I'm just filling space in my breakdowns and I'm probably just wearing your guys' ears out. But then eventually these things, these techniques will catch on and then from commentators to analysts on pundit decks to analysts at other places will all of a sudden start talking about it like it's some some new thing. <laughs> so, or, you know, something no one's talking about. I love that one. But, uh, but yeah, um, it's like, you know, hey, I, I guess I, I guess I probably wrote that in my notes to give myself credit there. So God forbid I'm gonna give myself credit. Something I've been talking about for a minute now. There you go. He did it again. Surprise. All right, moving on. Wow, Dan, you're a extra country today. UFC Orlando breakdown in Florida. UFC on Fox 28. As per usual in the show, we will go from bottom to top. Starting on FS1 prelims, you got Albert Albert Morales plus 160. Manny Bermudez minus one eighty-five. Uh, all right, um, this one uh, I'm gonna try to zip, zip through these, especially with my fucking whining that probably got everybody tuned out already. But we'll we'll keep this fast, people, uh, and to re repay your your your, your loyalty. Um, essentially, Morales is a live dog. This is on my fights to avoid list. First four, actually, my fights to avoid list for good reason, though. Um, because Morales is a live dog, I initially came in leaning toward him, and because I was more familiar with him, and was like, "Wow, he's, he's a dog yet again." But I also was familiar with Manny, Manny Bermudez's names um, on regional rankings. If you if you're paying attention to those, uh, especially you know, Flow Combat uh, uh, does some over there. Uh, shout out to everyone over there, uh, over there at Flow Combat. Uh, James Lynch, James Lynch also had a useful interview. With Manny Bermudez, if you're of the people who do your research, he always is very useful with those. So shout out to James. But yeah, man, you really, uh, you really, you, you really look at Manny Bermudez's footage, and it might be harder for some of you, some of the others, to get a hold of that footage. Understand, depending which fights we're talking about. But um, I was impressed enough to, I was impressed enough with what I saw to pick him here. Uh, obviously, if you just look at his record on paper, you're like, oh, he's a submission guy. But, but. Really, it was his. It was more of his composure on the feet that actually sold me into the pick because that's what more I was looking for. Um, you can't just assume a guy is gonna, you know, go from spinning guys on the regional scene, He's transferring that over. And Morales is actually pretty underrated with the ground. You know, um, he claims, you know, you haven't seen his ground game yet, and I'd like to think so because there's a lot of little intricacies that Morales does that tells me he's much better than we've seen from his wrist control. And, and awareness to grips, uh, you know, that's something that I always harp on. Really impressive. And you saw that against, you know, you saw me stifle a, a guy who, uh, get, you know, is, is, is hard to stifle in Benito Lopez as far as, you know, uh, scrambling and transitional grappling with his bread and butter. And Morales was able to survive out of, you know, some some scary spots. Uh, 
and uh, really just show good fundamentals. So I don't think it's going to be that easy. So I was looking more at Manny uh, Bermudez's stand-up and getting not a, a ton of footage. So this, these kind of things, I, I got to go more on, on, on feel and kind of just seeing reps in the room and feels in the room for how a guy moves and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, yeah, he's just easy. He, 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 he's super, he's super composed. He looks like he's got good eyes on him as far as what he's, what he's seeing and managing range and distance. Uh, he can pressure well, um, draw out, draw out counters. But again, you know, it's so hard to be even confident with a debutant. Now some debutants a lot, a lot a lot more than others than it seems like because I, I think I, I, amongst many, were just so used to kind of sprinkling healthy skepticism here uh, when it comes to debutantes. But it, I think it's for good reason because you never, you never can tell. Bana, 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 bana. I'm sorry, that's a really, I don't know why I went into that song, but you you really can't. Uh, and <laughs> you know, Albert Morales has got like five UFC fights now. Most of them going the distance. He's got a lot of ring time in, even though he's young. He only started in 2013. So, I mean, he's getting better each time out, as he should. He's still young. He's in that part of his career. So, yeah, there's just there's way too many things to even know if this is going to go over, under, or what kind of angle to take, which, by the way, over and under has been sparsely. Is there a reason for that? Are they are the odds makers at dimes, like, struggling like me to keep up? Um, I don't know. I don't know, people. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, slow down UFC stop putting so many shows on fuck alright uh, <laughs> there that's that's my prediction for that fight that wasn't a prediction Dan that was you projecting shut up uh, the pick <laughs> the pick was Manny Bermudez <laughs> Eric Shelton plus 105 Alex Perez minus 125 uh, man I, I this is another one I came in leaning toward Eric Shelton but then looking at it more I have this weird skepticism about Shelton and so far I've actually picked his fights for fights right I mean I picked him you know, yeah, I, mean, I guess there's not really too much. Uh, yeah, I picked him against Chanel Lauza. Like, yeah, no shit. But, I mean, I picked, Pan, you know, Pantoja against him and, and Brooks, even though you know, it was a close fight, um, obviously. But uh, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm just not yet sold. Like, I'm, I'm sold that he's going to be good and he's going to have an upside. But I don't know if he's there yet. And I think he's just been in deceptively tough matchups. And I also kind of question what the training situation is like. Um, I want to say it was, you know, I, I know uh, he trains with Pete Spratt, you know, respectable veteran down there in Texas at his gym, which is, you know, no, just brand new gym. It's, it's, been, a, it's been around, you know, Pete Spratt's been around. I respect that. Um, but I want to say it might have been my colleague John Morgan uh, after one of uh, Shelton's fights just talking about, oh, I need a ground coach. I don't have a coach for that. And just kind of just a surprising it, him, Shelton self-admittedly um, admitting. <laughs> I know that doesn't make sense, but uh, admitting that, you know, a lack of uh, resources. And that troubled me and kind of goes with my maybe skepticism and theory and, and the fact that uh, so far I've been able to feel like I have a good feel on him and pick his fights right so far. I just ended up swaying away from him here. And again, I came in swaying toward him. And he's got good submission defense that's been tested in tough spots, uh, you know, uh, on the show in the UFC and before the show. Uh, but so so it's not like, again, it's not like a done deal where, again, oh, you know, uh, craft, craft, 
a scrappy submission guy, gonna get him. Like, no, I'm not just, you know, uh, a better record. You know, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's not one of those, one of those kind of things. It's more, again, not even the submission. It's, it, it, it was, when I went doing the refresher on footage on Alex Perez, it was more of a stand-up. It was better than I remembered. Uh, maybe I, I was stereotyping him. I, I just, you know, joked about it just now, but I think I was stereotyping Perez a bit as far as, you know, his striking goes and, and, and whatnot. But I really liked what I saw, you know, what he did when he entered space in the clinch or what he did when his opponent entered space. Once he was inside the clinch, where he's putting his head, making sure it's under the chin whilst framing with his hand, opening up a lane for a knee, you know, doing these three things, multitasking in a conservative but concise effort, really sharp and really speaks to his underrated or, you know... uh, under, uh, yeah, I guess, underrated, uh, deceptive, maybe is more of the word, a deceptive experience that he has. And he's training that Team Oyama. There's a lot of good team momentum there, speaking of teams and what, and again, the importance of your environment. Uh, a, lot, a lot of guys around his size, his weight class, a lot of those guys fighting on this card. Uh, again, a lot of, lot of things going Perez's way, but still um, not enough to be super confident to even have any kind of inkling of a play or projection. So it is on the avoid list. All right, next fight, Russell Doan, plus 195, came down a bit that number. And Ronnie Yaya, minus 235. And, well, maybe maybe some other people, maybe I'm not so crazy. Maybe some of the people are having some faith in old Russell, Russell Doan. Gafana Russell. Because I, I too picked Doan. In fact, Doan, I believe, is my only official underdog pick of the card. Um, essentially, you know, he, he, on the avoid list, obviously it's close. Ronnie Yaya guy, I'm, I've, I've usually, I'm usually high on him. I'm usually, I feel like I'm usually the guy defending him, you know, felt like, uh, you know, last, the, the last couple of times I've picked or had plays, which I believe both hit by the way on Ronnie Yaya. Um, those of all, I felt like I, I was having to defend more ironically enough. So. It's not that I'm running off Yaya on the spot. I just feel like I've got a good good read on Yaya where he struggles with competent, grapper, uh, competent grapplers, good wrestlers slash counter wrestlers who can pressure him and outwork him on the feet. And, you know, I, like many, have been wrong traditionally on Yaya. You know, he's surprised fans and odds makers and pundits alike, you know, from the days of Mike Brown and otherwise. And believe me, I've been on the wrong sides of him in that sense. But since adjusting, getting more familiar with his game, Getting into this whole side of things, um, uh, yeah, I've come to appreciate him. He's got underrated stand-up that actually has been improving despite his late age. And he's not so late. He's got he's at that Brazilian 33, you know. He's 33, but he just looks like he's that guy in the 80s like, Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, Aniaya. What's going on? at the fairy chest and the balding hair. And uh, it's funny, Brad Tavares does not think he looks like that guy. Brad Tavares uh, thinks he looks homeless. When he met him, he was oh, I thought fucking Ronnie was homeless. I saw him on the mats. Like, they let fucking homeless guys train here, and it was on Yaya. It was hilarious. I think you told that off air, so I just share that with you, um, with you here. But uh, but yeah, um, no, no, and, and yeah. So he could absolutely submit Don, who's been submitted. But I think that's a bit overblown. Like, don't get me wrong, Don is, is a crazy character and not beyond mental lapses, which is why this is on the avoid list. And you know, any plays on Don should be considered, but. He is does have the wrestling to keep it on the feet, which is most important. But I think he also has very underrated grappling too. I think P- 
people do the sure dog breakdown or the on paper breakdown and they just look at the four submission losses and they don't realize oh um yeah like four months into fighting his second fight was the first submission loss uh his second submission loss was only one year into fighting i believe and that came to oh michinori tanaka a guy who specializes in stifling really good wrestlers and really good jujitsu guys and taking their backs and choking them sure okay oh and then what uh, Mirsad Bektik on short notice, up a weight class. All right, that's his other submission law. Pedro Munoz, oh, that's shameful. Who gets submitted by Pedro Munoz? And by the way, not just getting submitted by Pedro Munoz, in what I will go to bat for, is Pedro Munoz's most impressive submission in MMA. Uh, the boa choke, as I like to call it, with the arm through um, from, that, from, the, uh, from the one leg in position. When the when your opponent's uh, tripoded tripoded or turtled, beautiful. I mean, no shame in any of the all excusable losses. So, you know, uh, yeah, you, you forget about Leandro Issa's submission and and, and just uh, the fact of who he tra- you know, who you know who 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 he's who he's training with and, and guys in his weight class who are savvy grapplers and coming from you know. Um, uh, you know, Gracie, great Gracie Technics and uh, God, Ryan, uh, God, I can't remember his name, shares with Max's coach, uh, same guy. God, I don't want to say Ryan Lazarus, but who? Damn it. I can't think of the name, sorry. But yeah, and now, more importantly, he actually been cross-training with Team Oyama and did this, this camp there with Joe Soto, uh, a guy who I pegged to beat. Another, another pick that was kind of unpopular. Yeah, damned if you pick against Ronnie Aya, and damned if you pick pick him. It feels like with with that guy, I feel like I'm always defending. Because when I picked Soto against him, you're like, "What the hell? How can you pick Soto? He's on a losing streak." And I'm like, "It doesn't matter. It's about the matchup." Just like this, they're gonna look at you know, Don. Oh, he's on a losing. Streak. He got submitted. Like, this is it's the matchup. The match and, and does, does that mean Don's gonna win? Of course not. This is that's why this is on the avoid list. But. The reason why I picked him is obviously I think he could win, and there's technical reasons behind that that I just explained. But the fact that the matchup and the technical reasons that I just explained in relation to the matchup makes it much tighter than what the odds reflect, in my opinion. So regardless of which side you're on, I think you should be careful with that one. All right, next fight. Sam Alvey plus 200 versus Marcin Prachnio. Minus 240. I, I hated myself. I, I really hated myself for picking against Smile and Sam against this one. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, his co-host Jordan, a uh, good friend of mine. Got to get him back on the show. Love Jordan Killian. Pound for Pound Podcast. Go subscribe, listen, rate, and review them. Please, really good show. But I, I hate this because it's like... At what point do I just start picking guys because I'm friends with them, and then people go, "Ah, oh, he's just picking this guy because he's friends with them," and you know, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, with the you know, uh, it's, it's let's be honest, it's not a job you go to college for. Depending on again, depending on perspectives, some college jobs are bullshit, but by many perspectives, MMA jobs and media jobs are bullshit. Picking fights is bullshit. Let's be honest. But at the same time, if anybody's going to be called an MMA analyst, might as well be a guy who's trained for over 25 years on multiple different uh, places of the world, different continents, and uh, actually got in the rings, multiple different rings. So, okay, 
Sure, sure. I guess I will. I will take pride in my job there. Uh, yeah, and I don't say that begrudgingly, even though I was jokingly saying it begrudgingly there. But but obviously, you know, you really have to to take like many things in life, take it lightly, because it's, it's really just bullshit at the end of the day, right? Like, unless you're fighting, of course. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. It's it's. I'm I'm sleep deprived. I'm sleeping in four hour stints, which adds to my irritability uh, and, and crunchiness. So apologies. But yeah, at a certain point, it's like, are you just going to keep picking your friends? And what does that say about like you doing your job? Well, anybody just picks their friends, Dan. And then secondly, are you supposed to expect people to know you're just picking your friends? You know, because at a certain point, it's like, oh, well, like if they don't know you're just picking a guy because you're a friend, then it's just like, oh, wow, his judgment, that's crazy. He's just going way against the odds. Not that it should matter because but this is the sport where those odds don't fucking matter and you shouldn't care what other people think. So I'm not, don't get a mixed message there as far as that goes. But I'm just I'm just throwing these things out there as an example as far as perspectives and things that I, I at least ponder in my head and ponder too much is probably why I get turned around in my picks um, and have been doing as good as I have been lately. But but man, it's tough. It, it's been it's it's tough. I don't know about the move to 205. Um, the cut last time was bad, but also the cut last time was because Alvy took the fight and was just talking about how he was like 36 pounds over or some shit and. And, you know, it was tough. Even his, his most staunch supporters couldn't pick him there. We were just more worried for him at that say, at that point. And, you know, and whether it's the bad weight cut or otherwise, you know, Sam's performance, if we're being honest and critical, has left a lot to be desired. And subsequently, he's lowered the public faith in him, and that reflects in the odds. So uh, that's where that comes from. That being said, Sam is live as shit in this fight, believe me. Uh... Marcin Bocchino, you know I got a soft spot for these karate guys. And he's not just a karate guy. He's a Kyushin karate guy, which, again, as you know, if you're doing the different styles and arts, Kenpo karate, uh, it's more like Stephen Wonderboy. Got a lot of the in and out Shotokan karate, more power-based, lower stance, a little more choppy. And Kyushin karate, which kind of takes a mix of uh, of both those. But Kyushin is more apt to sport karate because it is, by definition, in its own a sport karate. Um, very popular Eastern Europe, Canada. It's very, it's it, 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 since because it, it's karate taken in a sport aspect, it is subsequently more popular in different parts of the world, more translatable. So you'll see Kyoshkin karate um, a lot of times outside of Asian or American countries, in other words. You're going to see a lot of that just because by nature it's uh, the fact that they're having co- more competitions and it's a more co- competitive bo- uh, space. Uh, base sport of karate you're just going to see it more outside in the in in the world um and it's and it's a good one uh the problem is uh it the reason why it's more common and it's more it's just more passable by there's commissions or whatever but just sanctioning bodies if you will to use that word loosely there's no head strikes a lot a lot of times for the most part it's it's, it's traditionally no no head strikes you do body and legs um uh for points and you kind of see a there's kind of a defense that gets impacted by that because you get this um, muscle memory right muscle memory is a real thing so if your muscle memory is off the clock if you're if you're allowed to you know um, take your defense off the clock for head strikes because they're not legal in the sport that you've gotten your championships and accolades in well you might be a little slow to get your hands up after your kick so you will see. Um, Marcin Pacino countered multiple times throughout his career, whether you're looking at his earlier footage 
or his more relevant footage. Now, a lot of those are slips because he's so off balance because he's going in and out and he's this muscle-bound dude who's just like... He's, he's, he's deceptively athletic and he actually has deceptively good balance, but he's moving around a lot of muscle um, at 185 to 205 pounds. And in and out style like that, um, he's going to get caught off balance, which he does. So a lot of those he's getting caught off balance, but also because of the aggressive nature of these in and out kind of blitzes, he's also going to be caught and countered a lot. Well, devastating counters is the name of Sam Alvey's game. And Pacino's got some, you know, um, serviceable wrestling transitions really well. Just I don't think he quite knows how to use it yet. Sorry. Like he's still developing those parts of his game, but it's there. Like he can he can do it. So I really don't want to edit to get this out fast. I'm really just gonna try to push through and sneaking my water breaks in between. Ah, but um, and, and he's got a good get up too when he does end up on the ground. Like he's got a good sense of underhook get up, a real strong underhook get up, butterflies, good leg dexterity. The leg dexterity from which is nice to see is often the case with traditional martial artists from kicking based martial arts. Their leg dexterity will transfer to the ground. Now, to varying successes, they're not doesn't make them great jujitsu players or grapplers in general, but. Their leg dexterity of being able to kick will generally translate to butterfly hooks, creating space, and so forth, assuming they have somebody that knows the shit teaching them how to use it, right? But yeah, so there, there are things there, but there's, there's just more questions than answers. So this is on the avoid list no matter who you're on. I'll be rooting for Sam Alvey at heart. I feel like a guilty shitbag for uh, picking against him. And I deserve to be feeling that way for picking against him. But uh, the pick is Prochneo. Um be careful on that. And that ends the fights to avoid. And that, I believe that ends the fight pass fights. Let's see. Yeah, that ends the fight pass fights. Because now we're on FS, no, or on Fox for the prelims as well, I guess. Okay, sure. Why not? Ben Saunders versus Alan Joban. Uh, ben Saunders plus 230. Alan Joban minus 270. Um, two guys who are weathered and kind of uh, heading toward the end of the roller coaster ride. Who guys I love, by the way, so I feel bad saying that, and I feel bad picking against either of these guys. But despite the high intangibles of all two all offense guys, who defense and durability have been big questions for him, that just should be immediate questions and an avoid and to be careful on paper. Um, it not necessarily is not because again, on paper it can be deceptive, like I was talking about with with the previous matchups. You have to just look at the matchup at hand sometimes. You have to kind of mute certain noises and also just look at the matchup at hand and, and, and at least weigh that in. Not cancel out the other noises, but but not let it obstruct your vision. And that is why I believe the line is minus 270 for Joban, which can be steep. That's why it's not a parlay piece, despite it being a strong read. But since it is a strong read, I did play my betting article. It should be out now as you listen to this on MMAJunkie.com. The article that I usually will coincide with this here breakdown podcast. Alan Joban inside the distance, minus 112, one unit. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I see a body kick. Uh, oh, get no killer B out of there. Um, the, the tall posture, not just both to the chin, but more Ben Saunders to the body. Yeah, I, we've seen him vulnerable there by nature, you know, his tall posture, and I just see. 
Uh, Joe Ban's speed and athleticism are making the difference in really any strike he throws, but he's got a mean liver kick, liver kick from the southpaw stance. His left hand is accurate. He variates angles. Uh, so I see him, you know, can follow up up top, but I see that body kick having a lot of play. Um, it can be dangerous because they train together. This could be a flag. Now, this this is me going against an admitted flag here with this one because I don't think people give enough credit to, which I know this is pot calling the kettle black because I have a play on him, but I don't think people give enough credit to people who used to train together. It can really fuck with you. You know, um, whether I was competing against a guy in a tournament or just doing sparring or in-house competition in the dojo or gym on the mat, Whatever the scenario, um, jiu-jitsu not so much because there's certain guys you just meld with, right? So with more so jiu-jitsu, it's more if you're in a competition base, which can be weird too. Although I've pop, I've had friends, we've popped to the joints going for a fucking stupid metal um, before. <laughs> Shout out Jordan Carboni. But uh, yeah, but especially in my more just, just, just more uh, Kempo Karate, Taekwondo competition days. Um the worst matches with the guys I knew, man. Especially my buddy Kevin. Shout out Kevin Sanders, but stand tough shout-outs. What are you, a fucking rapper? Um, we'd have some of the worst matchups against each other, you know? We glued as martial artists and and uh, as far as doing everything else and, you know, uh, hanging out and this and that, but uh, now we have to fight each other, man. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, man. We just knew each other's moves, you know? We... We're always some of the more funner guys, more fun, you know, watches of fights, to, you know, to, to go around in the room, generally, depending on who we were paired with because of what well, the arsenals we like to throw. But then you get me and Kevin against each other and we clam up, you know, our, our fun, our spinning our stuff and our, our fun, more flamboyant techniques kind of out the window and we're just kind of prodding and jabs at each other. And it just wasn't fun. It wasn't that fun. We, we, just, we just knew. And I'm not saying it's going to be that here, but you just... It always can play a weird thing, so you always have to be worried about that. But aside from that, I feel it's a pretty clear cut uh, for Joe Banning. He's looking at in killer shape coming into this. Um, and Saunders, man, I mean, it's funny. Like, even when I was going back and I was watching for, like Lima and stuff, like watching, you know, and that was from a couple of years back now when those Saunders, did, you know, in his last Bellator run there. And even you see it then, you see signs. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're just fans of Killer B, so we just look past that, but. I mean, the, 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 I hate criticizing chins, and I think it should be the last thing, and generally is when you look factually, because it's the hardest thing to really, and it should be, because you really shouldn't be able to tell chins gone until a guy's really on his last days of the sport, literally. Um, but some guys, man, it's just real apparent early, mid to, mid to all the way out of their career, and, and maybe that's the case for Ben. Um, I don't wish that upon him, but that maybe I do because that's the play, right? I guess that's the name of the sport. That's the name of the game. It's we're all hypocr we're all fucking hypocrites, I guess. All right, next fight. Um, well, Dan, that was uplifting. All right, next fight. Whoa. All right, Angela Hill minus one sixty five. Marina Morose plus one forty five. Uh, this one I didn't think I was gonna have that strong of a read on paper, but it's maybe it's one of those things where it's like. All right, guys. Here, here, here's an analogy you can you can side with me. We've all been there, fellows, or hopefully we have. But you know, sometimes when you look back at the more questionable hookups in your time, when you're like, ah, Jesus. A lot of times you can blame alcohol first, right off the bat. But I'm just, aside from the alcohol factor, a lot of times, you know, maybe the times where you you say I'm not going to go below a six, and you you found a you found yourself with a three or a four. 
It's because that night they were hanging out with a bunch of ones and twos, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they look like a 7.5 or 8. And you're like, hey, this is 7.5. It's not that bad. Have another beer. We've all been there, fellas. And ladies, too. For I don't really don't think any ladies listen to this, which is probably why I use the C word. And, well, if any ladies do listen to this, they probably don't listen because I use a C word. But anyways, you all know what I'm talking about. And maybe it's the reason for these plays here because this is such a... A volatile, despite me picking chalk, it is such a volatile card where there's so many dogs that really could come through. If you're right there, you pick against that guy. I get it. Okay, I get it. I'm sorry. I picked against the underdog that year, but you're on. I apologize. I apologize. Not that everybody, not everybody knows that, by the way. I actually have a lot of educated conversations in my DMs, um, to, to be honest. So shout out to those people. You know who you are, and I appreciate you. But, uh, so, see, so yeah, I'm not always negative. Uh, but, uh, but no, it, it 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 it's it just it's just it's just it was a feel like a volatile card all around. So maybe 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 that's why. But when you really look at it, Marina Moroz, I think at the end of the day, just is underdelivered. Now this is somebody who really likes Marina Moroz, not as much as the commenters in her Instagram. Shout out to Jordan Killian. We all the creepiest because we Jordan always said not not Jordan comments creepy stuff. <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, me and Jordan always talk about this all the time. The reason why I referenced him is that. Not just creeps on the internet with girls in general are always going to exist, but especially, not just with fighters too, you know, but especially with the Eastern European, excuse me, female fighters. Like, and we always cite Marina Moroz and Karolina Kowalkiewicz because it's always like this creepy dude that are like, yes, more, please, marry me, yes, here, rose ring, emoji, marry me, you get it. But <laughs> it's like, it's so yeah, and it's just it's 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 creepy, um, but no, I like Marina Moroz for all the legal reasons uh, and non-legal reasons. Now, Jesus Christ, yeah. Now, for all the for all the normal reasons, uh, and was you know really high on her. Maybe I, I think we were all kind of sold. You know, I mean, she she be, she beat another girl that I, I always got a soft spot for, JoJo Calderwood. You know, she made a statement doing so. A little square off with Ioana and Jacek, but no, nothing really came to fruition after that. Just a lot of air punches and close decisions against not the best of opponents, right? Uh, no offense to those girls. And Christina Saints, Danciu, and uh, Danielle Taylor, who, you know, shout out to Danielle Taylor. You know, she's got some pop in her punch, and she's out there hustling and grinding, and I respect that, and Protected and serving and all that good stuff. Not, not, again, I'm not trying to hate, but you know, let's be honest, right? There's nothing right home about. And then gets the spot against Carlos Barza, and exactly what happened was supposed to happen. And you know, sure, maybe she was worried about the takedown, but again, there's there's a lot of air punching in her fights too. I mean, so aside from her spunky efforts and combinations, um, there's not really that popper that we would expect from the boxing team and kickboxing amateur accolades. And aside from an opportunistic armbar, what have we seen to build off that? I've not seen any double legs or improvements on a wrestling to 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 to, to even create scrambles. She hasn't even been whatever you feel about guard pull. She really hasn't even been active about that since her debut. So what? What's gonna get what's gonna get there for her against Angela Hill, who has shown grappling improvements, who aside from being thrown to the wolves early on and being submitted by now champion Rose Namajunas, has been able to fight out of submissions. Uh, you know, for the most part. 
I say for the most part because I, I, I'm blanking on her show record. It's, it's, it's blipping on my head. I know she got knocked out of there early. I just can't remember from what it was from. Anyways, but still, uh, that again, that was, again, Throne of the Wolves, her just even being on that show. It was kind of... We all love Angela Hill from early on, even on that show, but I kind of felt bad because, you know, it was just like, oh, boy, does she have a good chance with her experience, you know? Um, so I think it's an, over, you know, an overrated versus underrated, and they're, you know... It's cooling off the hype on Marina Moroz and respect is gaining for Angela Hill. And they're kind of meeting in the middle. So it's kind of which side are you on? And I think the odds kind of reflect that. And since they reflect that, it means they're within a playable range. Um, so I got Angela Hill there. And also, I hate to say this, another stereotype I rarely do, especially because it's very rude and just very direct. But, you know, we all joke about fading, but and you rarely hear me say it because I really try to... Nothing wrong with that. I get it's the basic terminology. I just try to offer more as far as technical explanation here on this show. And also just try to be respectful. I'm like, oh, I insta-fade this fighter. I insta-fade anybody from this team. And that can be... And I try to speak more of the positives, if you notice. Well, yeah, I, I do address it, but more, you know, positive light. Where, you know, well, you know, hey, team momentum is real. You know, let's be honest. Let's be fair. You know, and, and, and so forth. But I'll tell you, I fucking insta-fade that Mike Valley striking. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I, you know, maybe I have it all wrong. Maybe, maybe he or someone that knows him listening to me, Dan, you got it all wrong. You're a fucking dick. You're here. We'll show you. And oh, fuck. You're right. I got it all wrong. I'm a dick. I'm sorry. Maybe that day will come. But, um, I, I, I just don't see a lot of process. I see him. I see him. I, I see a lot of, I see a lot of kerfluffle without a lot of process. And furthermore, I see him catering to the kerfluffle and non process of his fighters who happen to be fighters that could use process, right? You just mentioned the Marina Moros, who taught fighter with top of my hand who could use process. Yair Rodriguez was another one who, you know, even he he moved from, I don't know if that's why, but you even saw him move from his home hometown there, right? It's much more convenient for him to train with Mike, but he went over to Team Alpha Male. I don't know if it's, I'm not trying to blame Mike or him or Izzy or whatever, whoever, you know, it could be many reasons for Yair, so I'm not trying to, do some confirmation bias shit here, but again, it's what I see, and it all kind of fits the profile. I don't like that. She's back with it. I don't expect to see any improvements from Marina Moros. All right, next fight. Um, Marion Renault plus 200, Sarah McMahon minus 240. Man, Marion Renault is going to be my dog pick and play coming in. And then I was just reminded of the Tatiana Bernardo fight, not kind of too, because yeah, she was taking down a surprising amount, which kind of was uncomfortable. Especially when Tatiana Bernardo could be a lot better than we think as far as like that aspect of the game. She might not ever develop the rest, and then that's the rest. But as far as takedowns go, maybe that's that's her thing. And she can, you know, we sh- you know, uh, as time will go on, maybe that will look less forgiving. But that's neither here nor there. We have to go off what we know. And she was taking down a bunch there. And Bernardo is one of the girls who actually can offer, offer back, you know, uh, Brown belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, an accoladed one, a competitive one, trains with really good girls. And the reason, moreover, why I was going to pick her coming into the it, because she's one of the more physical girls of the division, who despite her age seems to be still, you know, making um, minor improvements and not falling off a cliff, which is what usually 40-year-olds would do in mixed martial arts. But she's in, you know, again, women's martial arts is in the Ortiz-Liddell era. Well... Renault's a Randy Couture character, right? Athletic, 40, outlier. Yeah. 
So you look at Sarah McMahon and the fighters that she struggled against, where are those physical outliers, whether it was the Rousey, Ketlin Vieira, or Amanda Nunes, right? It's those physical girls that have given her trouble when she can't be the bully. So I was like, oh, shit. Mama Marion's going to lay it down. But hard to say. Hard to say, you know. Um, McMahon's not beyond dropping the ball. You know, she actually makes... She's one of the few fighters I'll, I'll stay away from the over. The over's high for my my taste in this in in this fight uh because um you know when McMahon drops she drops it early you know uh you could argue because things aren't going her way or because again case in point her losses came to very physical girls uh but there's just so much talent and so much still so much potential again you can't you can't write off age hence case in point her counterpart Marion Renault uh, sorry, it's a water. Case in point, her counterpart, Marion or no, you can't write someone off just due to their age. Um, and even though it was more of adjusting and it didn't do her well at last camp, she's had now a full camp, more of an adjusting period as far as relocating, and now at Team Alpha Male. And again, Team Momentum is a real thing, and that's a team that has been on one of the hottest winning streaks right now, this year in 2018 at least. Um, they, and, uh, and it's really hard to pick against them. And especially when, yeah, Marion will actually be one of the few fighters that can actually offer McMahon something off of her back. So McMahon will be able to really take breaks on top. She'll have to mind her P's and Q's. But she's training with all the scrambly fighters like Cynthia Calvillo and all these other, you know, even just the males there just, because let's be honest. Sarah's a big girl and can handle herself. Um, and so she's getting all those scrambly looks. So as, lo- as long as she doesn't get completely iced on the feet by Marion Renault, uh right hand, uh, counter right hand, uh, I think this is Sarah's, uh, Sarah's fight to lose. So um, the pick is Sarah, but again, not strong here because I initially came in picking Renault. So I don't blame you for taking the shot. On Renault, especially if the line continues to grow. Oh, my wound's hurting from projecting. Um, all right. Henan Burrell, minus 155, and Brian Kelleher, plus 135. Uh, Burrell, uh, yeah, man. You know, he's doing the interview, saying he's re- re- rejuvenated, but you know what? If he didn't say that, I would be on this podcast warning you the same thing, because... He's a part of that Brazilian rejuvenation crew who they go to these older Brazilian guys they go to the American top team and come out looking rejuvenated both in uh performance and uh and muscles. All right. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if Burrell comes out looking just ready to fucking rock with his cock out, right? I mean, it could happen. Well maybe Dan, I don't know about that. That could be against dress code, I'm sure. Burrell will keep it in the fight kit, let's be real. Hey, but you know what? Let's be real. When he used to weigh in in his dirty boxers back when he was champion, I was like, can we get him some everything he's going to fit? This guy's emaciated with his dirty fucking pair of boxers he probably had since he was nine. They have to fall off on the weigh-in scale. Can we do something about that? So I will say there is props to the UFC CC, you know, gear in, in that regard. Anyways, Jesus, Dan, we, do we need that visual? And what does that say about you that you're looking at these details? Don't look too deeply into that. Let's move on to the fight breakdown. Let's keep it business here against Brian Boom Boom Kelleher. Um... 
Brian Kelleher is one of those guys that maybe because he came in and spoiled it for Yuri Alcantara in Brazil, he's one of those guys that you just want to root for as the dog. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I couldn't pick him here. I, I still got to, I still got to see more. Um, I like his volume approach. You know, you've seen glimpses of it on the regional scene, what he did to, uh, um, the Polish cat. Jesus, sorry, I don't have it in front of me. It shows how much I go off of my head. Um, yeah, people were probably shouting, but yeah, Damien Stasiak. But, uh, I don't think he's going to be able to do that to, to, to Burrow here. I think Burrow's biggest enemy is himself. If he gets in his own head, you give him a reason to get in his own head or he gasses himself out. Um, Kelleher, I don't think he has that power. I think he's going to have to do a lot of work before he lands those shots. It kind of really puts together the numbers like his last fight. Um, and uh, I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that because even Bad Burrell has looked good early or at least had his senses and guard up early. And uh, if he can keep his guard up the whole time, it's going to be real dangerous. He's got good counter-wrestling, good enough submission defense in jiu-jitsu. Obviously, black belt, accolade there to stay safe. Again, it's more just can he not stay t- can Burrell maintain his cardio for as long as the fight goes and not look completely shot in his cardio and confidence. Cardio and confidence, I think, is the key for Burrell. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, no plays or anything there. All right. Max Griffin, plus 310. Mike Perry, minus 370. Oh, boy. We're already on the main card. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm on uh, Mike Perry, a.k.a. Drexel from True Romance, Gary Oldman's character. Uh, I actually fit, fit a Drexel reference in my breakdown there. Hopefully, you all caught that. Uh, up on MMA Junkie uh, against Max Griffin. You know, comes from a lot of different martial arts. Uh, he's my age, so he's a fan of Ninja Turtles, and that's what got him into martial arts. So I always sympathize with that because I was a fan of Ninja Turtles, and it's the reason why I love me some Dan Hardy because before Dan Hardy got in the UFC, I read an article about a guy who loved Ninja Turtles and visited the Shaolin Temple, and I said, hey, I grew up loving the Ninja Turtles and traveled to the Shaolin Temple to train too. Who is this guy? And uh, so I got love for Max Payne Griffin for sure. NorCal boy. But I think this is a tough fight for him. I think both guys' defense have been suspect for sure because of their aggression. Although Max Griffin is a more craftier guy, I think he's a more consciously defensive guy. But ironically, I still think Perry has the better defense. Maybe that's because he has a granite fucking chin that supports it. But either way, uh, he will get wobbled a lot less despite his more recklessness approach than Max Griffin. And ultimately, that's kind of what made me side with this fight. Uh, they're both showing a bit of fight-to-fight improvements. Perry a little more, but um, that also could be because Max Griffin, you know, has not been training full-time this whole time as a pro. I, you know, can affect your game. Uh, but this is the first camp now that, because he got the fight of the night bonus, was able to uh, go full-time and train full-time. So now he's back full-time at Marin Noble Martial Arts as opposed to jumping all around. Well, he's still jumping all around, but in such short intervals, and, you know, he could make a big jump here, too. I'm sure he's motivated. He's definitely in the spot to upset. Uh, Perry is not exactly the best uh, risk management um, guy that you can count on to not drop the ball. So, yeah, that line is kind of out of whack. Like, I don't blame people uh, hitting the button on Max Griffin since he's north of plus 300 right now. I don't blame Max Griffin plays at all, but the pick is Mike Perry to get it done at the close of the first round with a left hook because strikes uh, from his opponent's left side slash to Max's right side seem to give him trouble. So that's what I see. 
All right, Alir Latifi plus 130, Ovin St. Pru minus 150. Uh, I, another one, man, I came in with Latifi. Latifi was going to be another one of my dog picks and possibly plays as well, but um, I ultimately sided with St. Pru. I mean, it is a close fight no matter how you cut it. It's a light heavyweight fight with heavyweight intangibles. Both guys can finish on the floor and on the feet. Uh, both have heavy power, underrated submission games. Um, especially from front choke positions, watch out. So anytime either of the guys shoot a takedown, it's going to be dangerous. And I initially was leaning toward Latifi because of his obvious wrestling advantages, but not only will you know his neck also be at risk when, if, 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 if he goes for a takedown, though not as much um, as he can put a neck at risk with Latifi's front chokes. Still, more so, I don't think he's going to be able to control St. Pru, who not only has improved takedown defense and improved wrestling fundamentals that he's really shown in his last three to four fights, but he's always had, due to his athleticism, and now coupled with improved techniques, always had urgent get-up ability. So Latifi, who doesn't go three rounds that much and has shown a tire, if he takes the quote-unquote safe route to win here, he could end up tiring himself out and getting finished in the third round, which is actually what I see happen here, because not only does that dynamic persist of the potential tiring, fighting smart here, using wrestling, or how that advantage could particularly work against Latifi, but when you see a puzzle piece over and over again when you're doing your tape research, it's hard to pick against, especially if it's a fight that's close. It's hard, and I wanted to pick Latifi because we all have a subconscious bias, but I'm like, no. No, I keep seeing Latifi get hurt to the body by kicks and punches in victories and defeats. And that left-crushing kick is St. Prue's bread and butter. Man, I see that landing and opening up a finish. So, body kick, opening up a finish is the pick for OS. I pick OSP. All right, next, Jessica Andrade versus Tisha Torres. Tisha Torres, plus 255, Jessica Andrade, minus 310. I think people's love for Tisha Torres and the line being wide is setting off alarms, like principal alarms, like out of principle that that's not right. So I think that's why we're seeing a lot of complaints and a lot of hmm and a lot of hmm. But not a lot of hard picks on picking Tisha Torres. But even if they are, that is usually the reason. And no hate. Tisha Torres is like an auto pick, almost auto parlay piece if you've been following my breakdowns, opinions, and podcasts, okay? But, 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 uh, wow, losing track of thought, I'm so tired. But I think this is a, this is a tough matchup for her. You know, this is one of the few girls that can match her in speed and output. In fact, it's arguably going to put out more output and it's arguably faster than her. And she has the more better glue in pressure to mend those together and more favorable glue if we're talking about what the judges see and what ends up on their scorecards. That old pressure game. So, even the teacher Torres at her best, I see this being a tough matchup. Furthermore, I don't... I, I'm trying to cut teach. I don't... I, I'm hoping it's not a, a... You know... A lull in her progression or a drop, God forbid, or a step backwards, I dare say. But I was trying to cut her break because she was camp transitioning to repel Kennington camps to her girlfriend over in Colorado. And she gets more individual attention. And those things are all great. And I'm sure she works with great people. But 
camp changes of any sort can be kind of questionable and you got to be careful and even the best ones the most well-intentioned and best fitting ones you generally have that adjusting period now perhaps these past two fights could have been adjusting a period but i didn't like what i see what i saw i should say the striking looked less sharp and so did the wrestling uh, her stout frame tisha torres has always been able to get under hooks use nice solid base and balance Reverse to an inside trip, in fact. That was like her move a lot of times, especially in Victor early UFC, and getting inside to outside trips of her own and really good at it. And maybe it's because, you know, going away from a wrestling heavy camp that is American top team, a camp that has a lot of female training partners who are going to offer those looks and be drilling the same techniques with you and challenging you in the same ways. Perhaps it's a version of that, so we're seeing that in her skills because we were seeing Michelle Watterson, who's not big, who's not particularly known for wrestling, able to take Torres down, which was surprising. Torres was able to get back up. She was able to clearly win the fight, in my opinion, but dropped that round, was able to be controlled. And granted, Watterson was aiming for control, and that's what allowed her to, hence the absolute no activity and the ref facilitated that despite the lull in activity so take that for what you will but yeah man i don't i i i thought that she was known for a bottom game but i would have at least expected a scramble from torres or at least an older version so that's kind of worrisome especially against a powerhouse like andrage who's gonna high crotch hoist her just straight up into the air and and slam her down and and has a much better positional game and will have traps laying in wait um, like guillotines for the underhook getup. So, going to be interesting. Pick is Andrade, but both girls are durable, have good submission defense. Generally, don't accept or can dictate terms to a certain extent, so I see this definitely going over. It's up to minus 270 now, but on the breakdown when I recommended it, uh, it came out it was minus 260 for the over 2.5 in this fight. That is the parlay piece because there is not any good parlay pieces in my opinion for anybody straight up to be attaching your plays to that I feel comfortable recommending so whoever you're looking for recommending a parlay piece say well who's a safe bet or at least who does Dan Tom think is a safe bet um, that's well that's what I think and most houses will do carry that over for that fight and will let you parlay it so enjoy good luck alright main event Josh Emmett my, plus 140 Jeremy Stevens minus 160. This line hasn't fucking moved. But I feel like whether it's the UFC marketing or just the general hype talk or media flow, a lot of talk on Emmett, a lot of hype on Emmett. Is he the next title champ? Which is kind of weird. I'm like, dude, the guy's made weight once for 145. Well, twice according to today, though, he looked terrible on the scales. And I kind of could tell that because he look, was looking drawn out like weeks out on his Instagram. And that's never a good sign, but that's also a sign like, oh, I was embarrassed. I don't want to lose miss weight. I promise I'll never let it happen again. They're rewarding me with a main event spot. This is my first main event spot. Oh, my God, so much is online. I'm not going to mess this up. And that can quickly work against you. We'll see. Maybe not. I mean, he looked god-awful on the scales when he missed weight and came out and knocked out Ricardo Lamas. Granted, that was an opportunistic finish against an opportunistic guy early before we could even really tell anything. But yeah, yeah, again, um, the scales mean sadly seem like they mean little with the guys m missing weight and winning these days. Uh, which, by the way, Alex Perez missed weight and came back heavier. So maybe that means he'll win, I guess. All right, I don't know. Um, touching back, and I will review DraftKings. I realized that I forgot about this the whole time. I will touch on that and recap that before I get out of here. 
but you know, it's there's a lot of unprovenness. You know, he hasn't gone three rounds a lot in his career, and you can make the argument that he's looked tired when he has uh, later on in the fights, at least. You know, a little bit. And uh, but you know, uh, it's just, I just I'm just seeing just a lot of projections on, on his skill level and where he's at, and I I still got to see more. I'm not trying to hate on him, but I got to see more. And again, this is also a guy who, mind you. They're about to have like four guys in the top ten or some sh- crazy shit or top fifteen of featherweight. Like, why are we in a, such a rush to push this guy? Um, maybe because he's thirty two, but yet still being looked at as a prospect and he's in that weird space. I don't know. I don't know. I it sounds like I'm being a dick right now. Like, I he sounds like a really nice dude, Josh Emmett, and he's actually a really impressive fighter in his skill set. Like, I, I so I'm not trying to come off as a hater. Um, I like his shifting stances. He moves around really well. I like the way he moves his head. He counters. He walks guys in his shots so beautifully. And he carries the things that have traditionally troubled Jeremy Stevens from wrestling and counterpunching, right? Like, yeah, his check left hook. Oh, well, Eves Edwards. He's not Eves Edwards. I don't know about that. Eves Edwards is the fucking man with the best check hook in the business. But, uh... One of them. But, uh... But, no. But, uh... You know, he does have the no, to, to Emmett's credit, he does have the credit. Uh, he does have the tools to... Uh, to stop Stevens, but Stevens is tough to stop, man. He's durable as shit, and he is an outlier. I think we can say that, you know. He's always he his eyes always look sucked in too when on weigh-ins, and he's always using the the towel and has had trouble making weight. But he never slows down. He always gives you an honest fight, even though sometimes he'll forget to faint and he'll throw the fight away, like in the, an Adam Moicano fight or others. And Moicano's a talented guy, by the way. Not taking anything away from him, but but yeah, I mean he's he's durable as shit. And, oh, he's been around a while, and you look at his record, and again, this can be deceiving. It's the matchup at hand, and again, the record doesn't mean anything because he's an outlier. He's in that Robbie Lawler category, late career renaissance, okay? Like, uh, does that mean he's going to win? Does that mean he's going to go on forever? No, of course not. Time catches up with everybody. This game has no free rights. I get that. I remind you of that myself all the time. I, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that I'm I'm done trying to reason with guys, certain guys like Jeremy Steven because if you try to reason for facts, stereotypes, and trends, well, you'll quickly realize that none of them make sense when you go down the run through the checklist with certain guys like Jeremy Stevens. He just, for better or worse, will defy those. Um, and he's more proven in three or five round fights, and he only gets better as the fights go on. So I feel like the dynamic of the fight will favor Josh Emmett early, but unless he can stop Jeremy or like do something to dramatically change the course of the fight. Then I see Stevens pulling away, and again, yeah, he's got the on-paper wrestling edge, but not only is Stevens a deceptive wrestler himself who will go for late-round takedowns to score points. By the way, Josh Emmett has shown he can be taken down against the higher-level guys. Not just high-level wrestlers like Dead Green, even guys that don't have wrestling bases, okay? Uh, But Jeremy Stevens, underrated counter-wrestler and defensive wrestler, and even if Josh Emmett does use try to use his wrestling and underrated grappling, which he doesn't show much of, I think he doesn't show much of it for a reason. And I think that on-paper advantage hurts him because if the hunch is correct and if the numbers are correct and he does kind of start to slightly slow as the fight goes on, we do find ourselves going in a high pace three to five rounds when he starts to get to there because he's facing Jeremy Stevens. Well... Then we could start seeing those things catch up to him. You know, if he's doing the implement heavy takedown, we could start seeing him tire more. Right? God forbid Jeremy Stevens starts landing more leg kicks and keeping him more, keeping them less mobile. In other words, Stevens is favored for a reason. Um, and I'm siding with him here. He is the pick. Jeremy Stevens also on the DraftKings team, by the way. The only two people above Jeremy Stevens on the DraftKings team is Mike Perry, who will probably be highly represented 
but I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be a high earner. Um, as I think uh, Max Griffin's gonna stand there and allow him to allow him to uh, get some more fight into possibly any some more points depending on how that fight goes. Alan Joban, who again um, playing inside the distance, so I'm confident for him to get a finish. A finish is good for you on DraftKings, so he makes my team for that. Jeremy Stevens for five rounds, able to score points in a fight that I think he will win, and he brings the violence and the output. Sure, I'll take a little Jeremy Stevens. Ovin St. Peru again, opportunistic can be kind of. You may be nervous to have your money on, but for fantasy in this matchup where the puzzle piece seems to fit to get a finish, sure, I'll take him there too. Sam Alvey, my man, even though I picked against him, and uh, I may have to answer for that, but I still got love for Sam, and I think he's a live dog, and because people aren't high on him, you're not going to see him in the field too much. Uh, I don't think so. Sam Alvey, if he does win, he's also going to score you big, so it's, it's a possible to really get up uh, whether it's a cash game or your your community community games there, uh, Russell Doan again same reason uh, a dog. Uh, he's going to be real low owned because his his faith is not very high publicly uh, with his record submission losses and so forth, but he can pull finishes out of his ass both on the feet standing more so on the feet I'm looking for um, with his power and improved striking. And more importantly, he's just going to be really one of the lesser-owned guys on the card and cheap, so it will open up some overhead for your roster. And my roster, those guys, comes out to 49500 The parlay piece is Andrade Torres over 2.5, minus 260. Angela Hill, minus 165, 1.5 units. Um, for the straight play, uh, props is uh, Alan Joban inside the distance, minus 112. Or is it 125? I can't remember. One unit. Uh, fights to avoid. Alvi, uh, Prechnio, uh, Yaya, Doan, Shelton, Perez, Morales, Bermudez. Um, and we're going to get out of here. So thanks again. Sorry again for that rant in the beginning. It... <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll just spare you the excuses and just, 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 all right, so. No more of that shit going forward. It's just all good times. I don't care. Uh, we're almost to this UFC stretch. UFC 222 next week. And then the schedule lightens up, baby. After that, uh, a couple cards sprinkled in. I'm looking forward to UFC 223. I still haven't booked my place yet. Um, thank you guys for reaching out with your suggestions. I'm looking forward to going out there and finally enjoying some life. Hopefully, we'll have my health in order by then. Hopefully we'll be healed and just going to be living life and being a fucking normal human being. I promise I'm not as a disorganized wreck as I sound. Uh, life has just lined up a fucking crazy ton of hurdles all in a row. And I would run out of breath and you wouldn't run out of time and care to listen. So let's move on with life. Let's enjoy life. Enjoy your health if you have it. Um, enjoy the fights this weekend. Good luck on your picks and plays. Thanks for supporting the show. And always protect your necks.